Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as mm-hmm. soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're re- Enacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? And you know what? That is the million dollar question. Does Russell want to change that about himself? Because I'm telling you, any of these behaviors that have created a lot of muscle memory, well, that depends on creating new muscle memory. And truly, you can't get there until you understand what addiction is all about. You understand the relational behaviors that can come with addiction. And you work diligently to offset what comes natural. And so today we're going to be talking about gaslighting. And I am so excited. I was on my listserv. And I saw something from Joshua Nichols, and it was a whole, whole, um, it was a whole opportunity for me to look at gaslighting a little bit differently. So, Josh, thanks so much for coming to the show, and tell me a little bit about about this new expertise that you've developed. Now, maybe you had it before, but we're hearing about it. You've got worksheets. You've just done an amazing job. Thank you. Thanks, and thanks for having me again on your show. I like coming here. So, um, so yeah, this uh, is a new exploration. I'm really fascinated with the concept of gaslighting. Um, just you, you know, as I do in in the work of uh, sex addiction and betrayal trauma, that it happens a lot. Oh yeah. Right. And so, but just over the years, I've really spent some time thinking about what is actually going on with this phenomenon, how does, how does it work so well? Because gaslighters, you know, they're, it works, but they wouldn't do it. You know, um, it's a very uh, sneaky, I guess, or a, a cunning form of, uh, 
of manipulation. And so, um, and so, yeah, this is something I've been actually been kind of developing for like a couple years before I actually got the blog completely written. Um, and I thought of it in terms of what I call vulnerability exploitation. Just trying to think of a little bit deeper of what what is happening, what is at the heart of it that makes it work, and what it looked like to me is that gaslighters are exploiting vulnerability in their partners. And yeah. so I started thinking about what types of vulnerabilities, and that's when I came up with the four types of vulnerabilities, and within that are like the 12 types of gaslighting. Yeah, and so that is the definition from which you come, that it's vulnerability exploitation. And if we look at addicts in general, they may use gaslighting, obviously, to hide their addiction and to make their loved ones think that they're the ones with the problem instead mm -hmm. of the addict. And so you said 12 types of gaslighting and four types of vulnerability? Right, four types of vulnerability exploitation, yeah. Okay, so and, can you go into that a little bit? Because I bet most of our listeners have not thought about it as vulnerability exploitation. They thought about it as manipulation, which you do too. But tell us about that definition and that those four types. Okay, so um, so we typically kind of the the lay way of thinking of uh, gaslighting is what we have often talked about is crazy making. You know, so making somebody feel like they're going crazy, questioning their own reality and um, but I think it's, I don't think a person has to step aside or in that moment of being gaslit feel like I think this person is making me crazy, like, or am I going crazy? I think, you know, sometimes it's just, um, uh, you know, just not trusting yourself, you know. You might not even feel like you're going crazy, but it's like it's basically our, uh, is this person uh, making me question something that's actually completely reasonable. Mm -hmm. And so that's actually a word that I have a lot of my clients put in their repertoire is, or a, a, a phrase for themselves is, I'm not unreasonable, mm -hmm. you know? And so, uh, because sometimes it doesn't reach a degree of feeling like I'm going crazy, but they are making me feel like I'm not being reasonable. And so, again, you had that as trust exploitation. Right, vulnerability exploitation. What's vulnerability exploitation. Okay, and, yeah. and yet there are those four types. And I'm right. thinking about partners who trust their husbands. Until they sure. know what they didn't know, why mm -hmm. would they think badly of their spouse? And right. so talk to us a little bit about men that exploit trust and men that, or and women that exploit sure. love, um, give us a little more information. Sure. So these four types, you know, we have trust exploitation, love exploitation, hypocratic exploitation, and safety exploitation. Mm -hmm. And so these types of vulnerabilities are, come very natural to us. Like we naturally want to trust. Like it, it, it serves us in our uh, our effort as human beings to form and operate in groups, you know, mm -hmm. so we want to, to trust, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, we want to love, you know, and then the Hippocratic exploitation is that comes from like, you know, the Hippocratic oath where you think of like do no harm. Like we, 
you know, most people naturally don't want to hurt other people. Like they naturally actually want to help, you know, um, but at minimum, definitely not hurting. And then, of course, we all want to feel safe. And so these are uh, four key components of, uh, of our existence as human beings that um, make us vulnerable, you know, just kind of naturally. You know, it makes us good people, too, mm-hmm. at the same time. And so, uh, so gaslighters, they, in, in, as you said, in effort to either hide the addiction or just to keep their partners off their trail for whatever reason, they kind of gravitate toward these vulnerabilities based upon who their partner is, you know, which ones they feel like that they could, uh, you know, um, manipulate the, the easiest and, you know, which buttons to push, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I don't think, I don't, I think most partners that are gaslighting, they're not doing it consciously. It's not like they are sitting down and, writing it out, you know, and planning how they're going to do this. I, I, I often say if that's the case, then you're, you're dealing with a sociopath and you've got another problem on your hands, mm-hmm. you know. And so, but most, it's, it's more of a survival, survivor strategy. Well, yeah, and, you know, certainly sometimes it's a strategy to hide their addiction and keep the partner off track. That's true. And then sometimes I see it as a defense that they use Let's, let's even say when they're doing a bit better and the partner is still critical because she's been harmed for years and years and years and she's not going to mm-hmm. buy into his better yet, and then his gaslighting comes up and says, there you go again, making me right. feel crazy when I'm doing good work and why would you do this to me? And it, it's that gaslighting experience and that Darvo experience where he's mm-hmm. reversing the roles on her and he's the victim and she's the offender. Um, But I do hear, and I won't be popular for this, but I do hear sometimes partners who, when their husband understandably or not understandably disagrees with them on something, she says, don't gaslight me. Stop gaslighting me. And I go, guys, you are having an argument like normal couples Mm -hmm. do here. He's not intentionally making, trying to make you feel crazy. And that was mm-hmm. the old definition of gaslighting. Sure. When somebody intentionally tried to make you doubt yourself and feel crazy, similar to the mm-hmm. gaslighting movies we all saw from the was it sure, the yeah. Absolutely, and and it's important, and in, in that that's normal, right, for partners to go through that because when you've been gaslit so much, um, yeah. they, they're still trying to figure out the new way. And it, is this gaslighting? Is it not? So having somebody like you helping partners navigate that is really important to, so that they can, you know, convince their brain of helping create a new neural pathway that assigns meaning to this new behavior that this isn't gaslighting. This is actually regular couple stuff, you know, regular couple communication, mm-hmm. and it's, which is complicated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you mentioned something. You talked about, like, you know, the basically making themselves the victim, and that's that actually is part of the Hippocratic exploitation, um, which I see that a lot. And that's actually one of my favorite ones to talk about because there, it's how they, uh, how the gaslighter uh, manipulates the blame. And so, so the three types of gaslighting there are the blame shifter, the victim, and the self-shamer. And so the blame shifter is this 
person is trying to actually shift blame off themselves and onto somebody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, where the victim might do that as well, they might go ahead and shift the blame onto somebody else, but their primary objective is to out-victim you. You know, so they might need to shift the blame onto somebody else in order to do that, mm-hmm. but that's not their primary objective. They they want to be, they you know, like I said, they want to rise, rise up in their victim status and use that. And then the self-shamer is um, kind of being manipulative toward your feelers by just uh, dogging on themselves really hard, mm-hmm. you know, and so... And it, and it might sound that one is is kind of, in my opinion, um, one of the more uh, complicated ones. I want to say the word sinister, but I don't like attaching that word mm-hmm. too heavily to to people. But you know, it's just it because the reason why it's so complicated is because they probably do feel bad about themselves, but intuitively they do they know that their um, partner. Loves them and cares about them. It doesn't want them to hurt and suffer, and so they go deep with it. Like I'm just a terrible, terrible person. I'm a piece of you know what, and and then they're playing on these feelings of the partner mm-hmm. to shift them away from feelings of anger and you know hurt or even something as extreme as contempt into like feeling bad and trying and trying to get them to take care of them. In a way, I'll call that out. I mean, I see that in my office. I'll call it out as soon as it happens and say, like, you can't do that. You know, I know you're hurting. I know you feel bad. Mm-hmm. But you're basically asking her to take care of you right now. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to ask her to do that right now. Well, I, I love that because, you know, in your article you say that, you know, psychopaths and sociopaths, don't have authentic guilt and remorse. And yet you just described a man who would appear to have authentic guilt and remorse, so much so that they express all this disdain for themselves Mm -hmm. to actually get the partner to take care of them. And and although that's not necessarily a sociopath or a psychopath, that's probably a strategist and a survivor. And later, right. And yet sometimes it does happen naturally. Don't know what they're doing. And so right. yeah, you call them out on it, right? At the same time, I, I do think they're kind of weaponizing their own authenticity to make it work, right? So mm-hmm. as you said, I think I think a I'm not sure. I haven't done research on this or anything like that, but I would imagine that a sociopath or psychopath who really has a lot of trouble um, with authenticity in the in the world of empathy, mm-hmm. you know, in their in feelings, that I would imagine that it would be a lot harder to sell on in that sense for them to to uh, really convince a, a partner to feel bad for. I'm not saying they couldn't do it, but um, I think, you know, uh, a partner that truly does feel bad for the injury that they have caused, you know, they'll they'll dive into that and then they unintentionally kind of weaponize it as a way to shift away from, um, you know, facing the, the, the real emotional consequences of hurting someone like that. Yeah, and, and for my listening audience, I am talking with Joshua Nichols and 
He is in practice. He works with couples. He works with families. He works with works with addicts. The name of his practice is Family Solutions Counseling, and you can get this free PDF download on his site. Now, the, your actual website, can you give it to us? Yes, it's familysolutionsok.com. Okay. And if they just click on the blog link, and it's just right at this juncture, it's at the very top. And Josh actually has a podcast. Well, he's got, you've got a podcast, right? And you've got video blogs. And when you look at them, you go, this guy looks like he's going to be a comedian. I mean, he's got that <laughs> face that looks like he's just going <laughs> to share hundreds of jokes all at one time. But you are serious about helping couples work out of this and especially helping partners to understand, some of which from your work with Michelle Mays, but, you know, one of those videos is Seven Signs of Gaslighting, Reclaim Your Sanity, slash You're Not Crazy, or How to Put a Stop to Gaslighting for Good, How to Stop a Gaslighter on Recovery TV. So, how can they see these videos? Because they're really well done. Oh, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, they they do take a lot of work <laughs> to do, yeah. I will say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, that on YouTube, you just uh, go to YouTube.com, and then it's Recovery TV, the number four, and letter U. So Recovery TV for you. And, um, yeah, we have um, – uh, we try to put out a lot of, of small 7- to 14-minute videos, tutorial-type videos, uh, just to try to – you know, give some kind of psychoeducational and resourceful material. We also do a couple of live shows. So if you click on the live links, and that's probably what you're seeing with the podcast, that mm-hmm. um, we haven't quite um, turned that into a podcast yet. That's the intent. So, and probably a few more recorded episodes, we'll take the audio and put that on, like, um, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Beautiful, beautiful. So, okay, if we if, if we go back to... The definitions, the profiles of a gaslighter, um, and these are gaslighters that are in fully committed relationships. I mean, they have been addicts for a long time, and you and I both know many times it is absolutely manipulative, and other times they don't even understand their own crazy-making, Right. Right, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so, like, the for example, the the uh, love exploitation, um, this is one that I see happening a lot um, after they've been discovered. So it's like, you know, well, I've been found out, and so my back's against the wall kind of thing. And so I will often see, as, as you know, a lot of addicts are charmers. You know, and and then of course there's the the normalizer and the persuader, and so you know, so I've been caught, and so I might use my charm to be like, hey, you know, it's me, babe, it's me, you know, or normalizing it as, you know, like why are we making a big deal out of this? Everybody does it or something to that effect. But the persuader is the one that tries to get the partner to engage in the. Um, uh, the unsettling, you know, acting out with them, you know, um, and and, uh, and you've probably seen a lot of partners 
two that have um, thought that it's that's just what it means to be a good wife or a good husband is to do is to step so far outside of my comfort zone that I actually feel like I'm doing something in violation of my sexuality. Mm-hmm. And but I that that's just what I'm supposed to do because that's what love is, you know. But that's love exploitation. That makes a lot of sense. And so. Have you hit all four? Because it seems like we're missing one. We got trust. Yeah, we got, we, yeah. We kind of we graze over trust a little bit. Um, it really is, to me, the, the easiest one to talk about. But probably one of the most important ones to address is the safety exploitation. That's one we haven't uh, talked about much. And, and the, the reason why this one's so important is because now we're starting to get into a way of gaslighting that is abusive. Mm-hmm. You know, so the three types. And there's the violent intimidator, the nonviolent intimidator, and the forsaker. So something to to keep in mind is like, for example, violent intimidator. It's violent intimidation. There's not violence yet happening, but it is the threat of violence. So these are people that, you know, will use their anger in such a way where they might throw things or break things and you know, in you know, and if somebody gets that angry, they you know, I've, you know, I must have done something wrong. It must be me, right? Mm-hmm. The nonviolent intimidator is the one that uses um, their, you know, um, uh, their their confidence and their pride in a way that you know creates that intimidation in their partner and. Um, it's a, it's a little bit more subtle, you know, to identify. And all this, again, is outlined in the article. Um, but the Forsaker, this is the last one that um, I came up with, and this was actually with help of my business partner, Carrie Tiger, who's also um, a CSAT and a, a therapist. And um, she brought up that, you know, one that she's noticed a lot in working with partners is when they threaten the absence of of self basically against the partner. So in other words, um, how are you going to make it without me? What would you do? You know, you can't do this without me, you know, and it's threatening to forsake them and leave them high and dry as a way to, to manipulate. Got it. Okay. And so again, you are seeing these strategies come out purposefully and some unconsciously. And how does your experience with the addicts go as you begin to point out these behaviors? Uh, probably as well as you might think. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's definitely not fun for them to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, and then some are more reasonable with it based upon, you know, kind of their level of wherewithal and and, um, and, and also denial, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the biggest benefit I've seen with this has actually been with partners um, for them to be able to look at this and, and go, that's exactly what's happening. Like, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. And, uh, and they already know a lot of times at this point that, that their partner gaslights, but this kind of can, can really help illustrate or at least bring to light the depths of the gaslighting you know, and it gives a name to it. Yes, they do this one, do this one. I've had partners that 
have come back after uh, reading the article or looking at the diagram that I created and, you know, just have a sense of relief and empowerment and some have even sent it on to other people they know, like, you got to look at this, you got to read this. And, um, and that's, you know, the whole point of doing this is to, you know, just try to, to just take a little more pain away to empower people a little bit more and help them, you know, rearrange their lives, reorganize so that they can have, you know, lives and relationships that are healthy and meaningful. Well, yeah, you can't, you know, I remember in my high school sign over the principal's office that education is power. And then you mm-hmm. used the empowerment word and you said this is used to empower the partner. And being a couples therapist that really believes that eventually when he can help her heal and they can work on that together, the expedience of their work uh, promotes healing at a, a much better rate. But they don't know what they don't know. And I know you've got some um, you've got some links to, you know, what is a narcissist, what is a sociopath. You know, mm-hmm. really to help them understand the differences. And once they see some of this stuff, whether it's, a, you know, the love exploitation, the trust exploitation, whatever, they're more likely to be able to call it out. And especially yeah. if they have a supportive person. Now, Josh, you are known in our community as being very partner sensitive. You always have been. And... I remember asking Patrick Carnes back in 2007, for anybody who doesn't know who that is, he's the guru of sex addiction. He trains 6,000 6, of us now, not all personally, but started this institute, has written over 30 books. And I said, you know, I'm not in recovery. I'm, I don't have a sex addiction. And I'm a female. Is that going to hurt? And he said, no, I think females are even sometimes more easily, they're easily able to talk to you. And he goes, you don't have to be in recovery. And I agree with him. However, I do think it helps when you have a background of sex addiction or partner betrayal. I absolutely do. That's my personal opinion. I I disagree with him. Um, Mm -hmm. But what I find fascinating, and I know you have a whole clinic. It's not just you. You're not a one-hand game. But when women can see you teaching them this information and empowering them, it's extra beneficial because Mm -hmm. you represent another type of man who uh, is into enlightenment and is into gently reorganizing a couple so that they do live their best life. Mm -hmm. How long ago was it that you got into the field of, I mean, you're called family solutions, this this mm-hmm. couples work. This type of couples work uh, was, uh, was 2013 when I basically went for my first CSAP training, and it just opened my eyes up to a whole different world. And then, of course, you know the the term betrayal trauma kind of started to come on the scene at that time. And and then I was already a trained couples therapist. I'm a licensed marital and family therapist, and so are my two business partners. And we just kind of um, you know kind of rolled with it from there. And mm-hmm developed a, a, a whole practice on uh, taking couples through uh, a healing process, you know, and as you know, so that it's probably how the, 
you know, your podcast even came about was just your wheels get turning, <laughs> get the turning, you got to get this stuff out of your head. And so I'll just start writing stuff down. And I got another one that's going to come out here recently that I, I would love to share with you at some point um, on um, how to, on how uh, uh, unfaithful partners can effectively respond to the pain of the injured partner, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's just, you know, we, you and I and, and the people doing the work are, are probably learning way more than our clients are, which is usually how it works, right? The, mm-hmm. the person teaching the material or helping the material often is getting educated far in, in far greater ways. So. Uh-huh, 100%. Um, which, by the way, I on our website, I do believe a couple of your workbooks, at least one of them is uh, linked on our website um, under our book recommendations, so just so you know. Well, then I will just officially announce, because I just learned from my publisher last Friday, that I am now an Amazon bestseller. And I, I've, got a, I've got an email, and I'm like, what does that mean? How many books have I sold? What is it? Because when I Google it, it gives you some pretty, um, you know, you have to sell 30 to 60 books a week. No, no you have to sell 3,000 books a month. And I, so I still yeah. don't know what that means, but he congratulated wow. me. And yeah. I said, I'm shocked. We're in a very small niche yeah. here. You know, this isn't just, this is not helping the general public develop better relational skills. This is sexual addiction and partner betrayal. So I'm just thrilled that, that people are reading the material. Thank you for putting it on your website. And well, congratulations, too. Yeah, they should send you a plaque or something. Hang on your wall. Well, I'm going to see him later today. Maybe I'll say that. Joshua Nichols said, I should which, get a plaque. Which book is it, by the way? Uh, it's Help or Heal. Okay. Yeah, you know what? Well, that. That's been out since 2018. And I really want my Help Them Heal to get the award because it, it really is helping yeah. couples to get through those three phases of yeah. partner betrayal, safety and stabilization, anger, grief, and mourning, and mm-hmm. then post-traumatic growth. And, uh, yeah, that's I just what saw I was, that I, on your uh, email you sent me, and uh, I, I didn't uh, apologize. I didn't know. I wasn't aware of that one. I'm definitely going to order it, though, because we need more couples companion workbooks. Mm-hmm. And well, a lot of them. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a merger of Help or Heal. What I realized when I wrote Help or Heal, um, it was all one-sided. It was helping him to develop empathy and be in a trigger buster and have better communication and, mm-hmm. and, and elite, work through the shame in the process. But then I realized, well, wait a minute, there comes a certain point, usually at the 12 to 18-month mark, where a partner has to be open to this and even begin to initiate some trust building. And it's mm-hmm. difficult because everything out there for partners seems to be about protect yourself, you know, um, seeing all that stuff. And I thought there aren't very many books that say you can get through this and you can get to post-traumatic growth, and my clients do. So I thought if I write out this book, it has over 60 exercises, and it's for them. It's helped them heal, and then it's about navigating through sexual betrayal to get to the other side, I thought I may be doing them a service that has not really occurred yet because we're really into the, you know, the trauma and betrayal bond for sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. The work of Michelle Mays, like his, you know, her new book, Trail Bind is, 
is phenomenal. You uh-huh. know, she's definitely she's definitely onto something. Oh, a hundred percent. And yet, I want to say, I think our partners can get stuck in that because it is what has happened to them, mm-hmm. and they're not encouraged enough in this field to figure out ways of grounding and resourcing themselves and teaching him what they'll accept to move forward. Mm-hmm. And so we'll see, yeah. we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. So what else might you want about your work? Because they really can go to your website and get the free PDF, right? Yes. Yeah, it's, it, this is a little bit lengthier blog. I mean, it was, it was intended to be a blog. So I ended up, you know, writing it like uh, I would uh, an article. And um, and so what I did on the blog portion is just kind of give a teaser, really, and then link the full PDF so people can download it and, and for free and um, and, you know, there's, uh, the thing I would tell other people that, you know, I mean, I'm located in Oklahoma City, um, so, you know, obviously, you know, we can only work, uh, our license permits us to only work with people who are within the borders of Oklahoma. Uh, but that's why we put out a lot of this other type of material um, for them to access, and so, going to our YouTube channel, but also perusing that blog because, you know, you've had me on your podcast before for, like, for example, the Mr. Rogers article that I wrote, Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, the Reflection Aggression, which is kind of a gaslighting-ish article that has to do with uh, the phenomenon of, um, at, at some point, further in recovery when the the acting out partner or the one who is unfaithful feeling like the betrayed partner is now gaslighting them and what i talk about that is that it might look like gaslighting but it's probably not but it didn't have a name yet so um i gave it the name reflection aggression so that's also linked on this article too um at the very bottom so there's a lot of resources like that available that people can uh, just get for free right there on, on our website. Yeah, I'm wondering, have you had any collaboration or even conversations with, um, he's the big gaslighter manipulation guy. Um, I just got one of his. I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, he's uh, he's not uh, the biggest, he's not like the pro gaslighter. He's the the expert who research who writes and talks about gaslighting, right? That is exactly what I meant. <laughs> it's like when we tell people, you know, we're saying, what's your specialty? And we're like sex addiction. And other people are like therapists, like right. we're a sex addiction therapist. Well, since I can't bring up his name, I won't ask you, but I know that he has made it his mission to empower women and to stop some of this narcissism and stop, stop the gaslighting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know about you, Joshua, but I – when I got into this field, every, not everybody, many clinicians were saying, oh, this is a field where there's so much narcissism. And I thought to myself, addiction is narcissistic. And when they get clean, then they get healthier. And when they get healthier, they're not so self-absorbed or selfish. And mm-hmm. um I really believe that the majority of the men that we work with that are sex addicts and they want to get into recovery, they have their own problems, they have their slips and relapses, but they're good men that want something that's hard. 
And I say you've got to work on that individual recovery and that relational recovery simultaneously. And that's a big thing to ask for sex Mm -hmm. addicts, even after they get out of that 90 days, six months fog. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? Are most of the men in your practice earnest? Do they want that integrity? Do they want to work on rigorous honesty? Yeah, absolutely. Um, They want to be good men. They are good men who just don't often don't know they are good men yet. In fact, one of the things I tell them a lot in the work I'm doing is like, I, you know, we often as therapists don't get to see the finished product of the work that they're doing because at some point they just say, hey, I'll take the reins from here. So one thing that I do get to see a lot is that transition when they realize, holy cow, I am a good person. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a good person. I just, is it, this realization that good people have the ability to hurt people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the more you believe you're not a good person, the more likely you are to hurt other people. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and so being a good person is not something, you know, you work toward. It is you work at being a better person because you already are a good person. You don't work at bettering yourself to be a good person. Right. You know, and so it really is this, this psychological shift and so you would just realize that I am a good person. And you find that there's not reason to keep all these secrets and um, because it's all about all these secret secret team is about emotion management. Mm-hmm. You know, managing a dark side of themselves that they think makes them evil or bad instead of realizing that it's just the human condition. Right. And then again, as you and I both know, and Patrick Carnes taught us those 30 recovery tasks that men need to work mm-hmm. through starts with denial. And although they're not linear, mm-hmm. truly, when you aren't in recovery, you're in all sorts of denial and deception about that dark side. But when you look for recovery and come clean and work on that, boy, the empathy be- just you become saturated with empathy because you realize what mm-hmm. you've done to your partner. And if you aren't saturated with empathy because it's hard to put yourself in somebody else's shoes or take their perspective, then I'm all about teaching that. And that's, that's where we come into play. We get to help them develop those skillful mind states. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. We're wrapping up the show. You know, again, you've got so much wisdom. And how big is your clinic, your family? Um, well, we're all, we're in a bit of an expansion process too, because we have a, um, a kids portion. We call it FSC Kids. So you can, so that website is FSC Kids. Um, it's not necessarily specific to betrayal trauma, but they do. You know, as you know, like this issue. You know, uh, kind of transcend or kind of uh, bleeds over into these other relationships and stuff. But um, so you know, we're we're at about like uh, 15 or 16 therapists, and um, but we're moving a handful into their own location uh, on the FSC Kids location, which is right next to us. But but it's, it's a fairly large practice for private practice. Yeah, and you know, that's definitely the next niche that really needs to be developed. Do you know about APSAS? Have you heard of that? Uh, I know about it. I haven't. I don't know, you know the difference in what is taught there versus uh, what ITAP teaches. 
Yeah, well, they're really the premier partner-sensitive organization and institute, and they don't do much with sex addicts, but they're sex addict sensitive. And um, Jessica Eden, who's a CSAT, and right now she's the vice president of uh, of AppSats, has developed a family training, if you will, mm. for clinicians and coaches to to better help children of sex addicts. And we all know that Ken Adams has written mm-hmm, his new sure. book on what it's like to be an adult um, child right. of sex addicts. So yeah. you can begin to feel the rumblings of a whole new population mm-hmm. that's not that necessarily been meant to be ignored, but we're such pioneers in this field. We're just kind of building mm-hmm. on what we didn't know and getting stronger. Yeah, no, I, I, hearing you talk about it, like making my hair stands up on my neck, just thinking like, there's so many amazing clinicians in our field, so many amazing minds. And I look at all the work, and it's all so innovative. Like mm-hmm. the work of Ken Adams with Mother and Meshed Men and um, Kelly McDaniels with uh, Mother, Mother Hunger, Hunger. you know, the Betrayal Bind, um, you know, all the partner healing stuff that you've done. And there's podcasts and uh, certifications and so many great things happening in our field and it's just I feel so fortunate to be a part of it. Well and I see us as pioneers and that is what is exciting mm-hmm. too and I say I hope that people can stand on my shoulders and better everything mm-hmm. I've ever done because that's what pioneers do. They they get they get it started and then brilliant clinicians, educators, whatever make it better. Right. So Thank you so much for doing the work you've done. And please, I hope that you go to his website. Give him the website again, familysolutionsok.com. Right, and that OK stands for Oklahoma. Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. yeah. And, you know, look at his resources. This guy was meant to educate, and we would love to have you back on again. Um, And I just thank you so much for the work you do. You're amazing. Thanks for having me. I hope to see you again soon. All right. You take her easy. Let yourself out of the room. I'm going to talk to my peeps for just a little bit longer. See you later. Okay, Josh Nichols with Family Solutions. Get that free download. He gave it to our community. You might as well have it too. You know, I'm all about resourcing. That's what I love. Uh, And that's what we do. So I will see you next week for more Sex Help with Care of a Coach. And there will only be one of you at all times. Fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. If you haven't read Help Them Heal, it is 19 19 chapters that will get you over to post-traumatic growth. And I have an online course. If you go to my website, Sex Help with Care of a Coach, it turns into Help Them Heal. Just look for resources and products, really products first, and get the course and watch me teach you how to do this. I've got one for Help for Heal. I've got one for Unleashing Your Power. Well, not the book, but how to find post-traumatic growth if you're a partner, and then help them heal. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week, and uh, make it a good week for you, too. You can shift your energy. And... I'll see you soon. Thanks for making Help Her Heal a bestseller.